It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and for the next 30 minutes or so, you will be Locked On Thunder. It's Tuesday, and the rain seems to have gone away. Thank goodness it feels like it's been raining for the last week. Uh, We are a few more weeks removed from springtime, my favorite time of the year. I cannot wait. Um, it's the time of the year where it gets warm, the days get longer, uh, playoff basketball is here, all the good things basically get in once we get into spring, so I can't wait, I'm just, I also don't do cold weather, but the Thunder will be heading to a cold weather city, but the Thunder will be heading to a cold weather city tonight, playing the Chicago Bulls, the 20 and 35 Chicago Bulls, my goodness, times are tough in Chicago. But we'll preview a little bit of that game. We'll also dive into uh, my little diatribe on Terrence Ferguson that I teased yesterday. So forgive. I'll do my best not. I'll do my best not to uh, ramble as much. I wrote down some bullet points, so I'll try and stay on topic. But this is it's a sensitive subject because Terrence Ferguson, obviously, um, missing games this season due to things that are well outside of his control, the personal reasons, of course, and that's you know that's more than unfortunate. You know, these are human beings again, and like we never need to lose sight of that fact that these are human beings playing basketball, and life can sometimes get in the way for all of us. Um, but at the end of the day, this is sports, this is competition, and it's heavily based in results. And if you're not there, let's just say you can have your take, but we'll get into that a little bit later after the Chicago Bulls preview. And if you don't know who I am still, I've been covering the Thunder since 2014 and since 2018. With 107.7 the franchise, 107.9 the franchise in Tulsa as their lead Thunder insider. Check out all my stuff at thefranchiseok.com. You can subscribe to the OKC82 podcast that I do, which is a post-game reaction show that I do with Madison Morris. Uh, We do the post-game show after every single game that you can also hear live on the radio on 107.7 the franchise immediately following Thunder games. Uh, If there are home games, we will be at Flint Restaurant, which is just down the street from Chesapeake Energy Arena. Uh, We love that restaurant. It's so good. Food, drinks, everything you could ask for. The service is great. Um, Check it out. But especially if we're doing the post-game show, come say hi. (laughs) Come say hi to us. We'd appreciate it. And then you can also tune in on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. till noon to the Franchise Thunder Insider Show with Jerry Ramsey, John Hamm, Madison Morris, and me. Again, that's from 10 to noon. We enjoy doing it. Please, please tune in. And the best way to find out exactly what I'm doing or what I'm thinking concerning the Oklahoma City Thunder is to follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. But yes, let's jump into tonight's game, shall we? I think the first thing that we need to talk about when you're talking about the Chicago Bulls, especially as a Western Conference team that, you know, you, you don't sit around and watch a lot of Bulls games. You, you'll If you're a Thunder fan, you're only going to see them twice in, in a season. And the Thunder have already defeated Chicago in Oklahoma City earlier this year. We talked about that game yesterday, how topsy-turvy weird that was. But 
again, I think the first thing to talk about is just their huge, huge injury report. And they got eight players on their injury report. And outside of Max Struess, I mean, everybody is pretty much either day-to-day or just a few weeks out from returning if they ever do return because a few weeks out from now is damn near the end of the season and this is a Chicago Bulls team that's probably going to be thinking about lottery picks by that point of the season so um, who knows if some of their guys will ever even make a return in addition to Max Drews but we'll start with Wendell Carter he is officially questionable for tonight so that'll be interesting to see if Chicago is able to get him to go Uh, Chris Dunn is also out. He's going to be out for the next four to six weeks. Chandler Hutchinson has no target date for his return. Luke Cornett is is listed as out tonight. Laurie Markkinen is supposed to be back either at the end of the week or at the beginning of March. Uh, But it's probably safe to assume that we won't see any Laurie Markkinen tonight against the Thunder, which is a shame because Laurie Markkinen is a fun player to watch whenever he's healthy and whenever he's on especially. And Thunder fans are probably happy that he won't be there because the last time the Thunder were in Chicago, Laurie Markkinen beat the Thunder on a buzzer beater. Whew. Otto Porter also out tonight as well as Denzel Valentine, but he's listed as doubtful. So you've got Denzel Valentine and Wendell Carter as two players that could potentially play but are still listed on the injury. Interesting to see what the Bulls are able to do. The starting five for Chicago in their previous in their previous game, a win – a 126-117 win over the Washington Wizards. Tomas Sadoransky, Thaddeus Young, Daniel Gafford, Zach Levine, and Ryan, and I love saying his name, Archie Diacono. Archie Diacono, it's such a fun name to say. Of course, Zach Levine's their big scorer. He had 32 points in that win over the Washington Wizards and is always a threat to light it up in terms of scoring. The Thunder will have to do a good job, particularly Shea Gildas Alexander will have to do a great job of staying in front of him and making things difficult for him which is something the Thunder have been doing in their three-game winning streak outside of Zion Williamson. The Thunder roll into this game on an eight-game winning streak on the road. If they win tonight, and again, we talked about how the franchise is just jinxing them to no end about this, but if they win tonight, it'll be a franchise record nine consecutive victories on the road. The Thunder are also 10-8 and eight against the Eastern Conference this season, uh, and they're 5-2 and two on the road. They're surprisingly... Uh, have a losing record at home against the Eastern Conference at 5-6. and six. You Chalk that up to that real disappointing head-scratching loss to the Washington Wizards at the beginning of the year in the home opener. But again, that was a Thunder team that was still trying to figure things out. You know, the last time the Thunder won in Chicago was actually in 2017, albeit it was for the 2017-2018 season. But that was the game where the Thunder just destroyed Chicago, 101-69. You know, it was one of those random games where the Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook trio just worked to perfection. But albeit it was against the Chicago Bulls, which is still noteworthy because we all remember how average at best that that particular Thunder team was against teams like the Chicago Bulls. But Oklahoma City is 6-4 and four on the road against Chicago in the Oklahoma City era. But again, winning on the road is always difficult in the NBA. So this is by no means a gimme victory for Oklahoma City. And it isn't, especially when you consider that the Bulls are actually a nice little defensive team. Uh, they're 13th in terms of defensive rating in the NBA. So they kind of there's a lot of similarities you can make to Orlando in just the challenges that they bring to the table in, in terms of being an opponent. You know, they're a tough defensive team, so they can have some success against you if you lazily enter the game or if you lazily come out of the locker room to start the third quarter which this Thunder team has been susceptible to do time and time again although they've been kind of nice about that the last few games we'll see if the Thunder can keep on doing that just because you know again 
bad team on the road. It's hard to win on the road, no matter what in the NBA. Good defensive team in Chicago. So all you got to do is just basically take care of business, take your opponent seriously, and the Thunder should walk away from Chicago with their ninth consecutive victory on the road. But, man, if I say it one more time, I feel like it'll be because of me the th th Thunder lose tonight. When we get back, let's talk about Terrence Ferguson, shall we? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as of right now, 1045 in the morning, the Thunder haven't updated their injury report on their game day notes. Uh, Billy Donovan, if you all remember yesterday from yesterday's show, said that he was optimistic that Terrence Ferguson would be able to go tonight. Of course, that's probably going to be in another reserve role with Lou Dort getting the start once again on the road. But it's it's been something that we've talked about on the Franchise Thunder Insider show on Saturday morning. Uh, Jerry Ramsey, John Hamm, Madison Morris, and me. And it's just become more and more apparent, I feel, especially since Terrence Ferguson has come back and come off the bench. And, you know, he's had some flashes of being the player that we all know he's capable of being in terms of um, a defensive stopper. But he hasn't even had one game where he's had anything to write home about offensively. And it's, it's a complete shame because we don't know how much of that is just the after effect of being away from a basketball team for 10 games and then coming right back into it. Or if this is just what he actually is as a player. And sadly... I find myself erring more towards this is just who he is because this is what we've seen in his first two years as an NBA player, whether he was a rookie or a first-year starter last year. In the seven games that he's been back with the Thunder, he has scored four points. He scored three points against New Orleans in that win right before the All-Star break, and he scored a point in the victory against Detroit. And look, the Thunder aren't looking for him to score. The Thunder are absolutely not looking for him to score. But... Abdul Nader makes positive impacts offensively. Hamdou Diallo, when he came in the other night, when Terrence Ferguson left the game with the lower back stiff stiffness, Hamdou Diallo made positive, impactful plays on offense. He was even on SportsCenter's top 10 twice that evening. And look, like just being able to dunk and you know perform cool dunks like in games like that. That's all well and fine. We all know that Hamadou Diallo is a flawed offensive player. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you all that Hamadou Diallo is a better offensive player than Terrence Ferguson. No, I'm not. But there's just something to, there's something that should be said about confidence. And Terrence Ferguson just doesn't have the confidence right now. And I don't know if he's ever really had the necessary confidence for the role that the Thunder classically want him in. And that's in the Andre Robertson role as the defensive wing start stopper in the starting five. Which segues into the entire philosophical question here, and I'm curious what you all think. Is Terrence Ferguson better suited for a team that's led by Russell Westbrook? And you can even throw in a, having another superstar like a Kevin Durant, because Andre Robertson thrived on those teams in 2015-2016 as the defensive wing stopper, while Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook did the brunt of the scoring. And basically, what, what you're looking at here is just... 
if you have a team with superstars that do the brunt of everything and then everybody else is just a role player that does one or two things, you rebound, you defend, you come off the bench and give us some energy and maybe give us, give us 10 to 14 points or something like that. But basically anything that you do is just a cherry on top. And to the Andre Robertson type player or the Terrence Ferguson type player, you are out there to stop Clay Thompson. You are out there to stop James Harden. You are out there to stop Bradley Beal, that type of player. Now, the problem with that is if you put that type of player on a team like this and that defensive stopper is completely one-sided, I just don't see the fit because this team, everybody makes impacts. Every time that they're on the floor, especially... And that goes that that goes that goes well against just because that team just because the Thunder are hot that particular evening. I'm not trying to say like, well, Mike Muscala comes off the bench and is four for four, or Lou Dort is six for six. No, that's not going to happen every single game. But the fact of the matter is, is when Mike Muscala comes into the game after not playing the previous three games, he puts his shots up. He's aggressive. He's confident. He knows what he is as a player and what he brings to the table. And when Billy Donovan says, Mike Muscala, I need you out there, he knows what to do. When Hamidou Diallo doesn't play for the previous three games and then Terrence Ferguson gets hurt, leaves the game, and Hami goes out there, he knows exactly what he needs to do and what he's capable of doing, and he does it. Does it work all the time? No. Does Mike Muscala hit all the shots? No. Does Abdul Nader hit every shot that he takes when he r- runs kind of weirdly to the rim? No. But there's just something to be said about the confidence that this is what I am. I'm going to go do it. Terrence, I don't know if he understands what he is as a player in terms of his offensive capability because the guy is extremely talented athletically. He can jump out of the gym just like a Hamadou Diallo. Personally, I would love to see a slam dunk contest between Terrence Ferguson and Hamadou Diallo. That would be great film. That would be great content. But he told us during training camp that he doesn't want to be a spot-up guy anymore. He, he, feel, he felt like that he was more than that. And that was a great thing to hear because I kind of agreed. I felt like that he, with his physical skills in terms of his jumping ability, his speed, his agility, his toughness. I felt like, yeah, there's a lot more out of you that I want to see offensively. And so I was really optimistic about his output going into the season. And he's basically doing the same thing that he's been doing for his first two years, which is spot-up shooting. And on a team with Chris Paul, the point god, a guy who instills confidence in his entire team, is a consummate leader, and is always finding ways to get you open no matter what. Put you into the best position possible to make a shot. And Terrence Ferguson isn't holding up his end of the bargain on that. It just it begs this question. Now, again, I hate ask, I hate talking about this just because it, it comes off as insulting or rude because of what Terrence has had to go through this year. And again, we don't know exactly what it, he's had to go through, but it's safe to assume it might have something to do with either a death in the family because he put that out there on his Instagram story alluding to his grandmother passing or the public knowledge that he was going through a custody battle with his daughter. You know, those are those are two incredibly unfortunate things. Those are two things that you know, none of us want to go through, but we all have to experience something like that, whether it's us directly or somebody that we know. Somebody is, you know, dealing with loss. Somebody is dealing with a breakup or a divorce and how that affects your work life, you know, it it affects it. You can be as professional and straight-laced as possible, but it's still going to creep in one way or another. And But again, I truly feel like even if that period of time didn't happen where he missed the eight, nine games or whatever due to personal reasons, 
I, I don't I don't see anything that could have led to him being a little bit more assertive with the ball in his hands. Now, if he doesn't miss those games, the only the only big difference is maybe Lou Dort doesn't even start because why would Billy Donovan feel the need to bench Terrence Ferguson? They're not going to bench him because he plays he's played awful on offense. They're always going to point to his defense. And even though there have been games this year where I was really kind of disappointed in his defensive play, I just don't see a way that the Thunder were ever going to bring in Lou Dort as a starter if Terrence doesn't miss those games. It just I just keep going back to the the thought that I have that I just don't see it. Regardless of him missing those games due to personal reasons, I just don't see it in terms of his fit on this team. So um, maybe I'm going at it a little bit too harshly. I hope I'm not. I'm trying to do it as best as I can. But I'm curious what you all think. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to Locked on Thunder once again. Uh, Thunder do take on the Bulls tonight, so uh, tune in to the OKC82 podcast. We're actually not going to be on the radio tonight. Oklahoma takes on Texas Tech. Uh, around the same time, I think at 8 o'clock, actually. So they're going to be on the radio. So Madison and I will actually just do a regular old podcast like the old times. So look forward to the OKC82 podcast for that game reaction tonight. Uh, later on tonight or early in the morning. But regardless of that, I will be back here Wednesday to talk about either a victory or a loss with you all. So thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.